the fruit of the kingdom is, in fact, you and me and who we are and what we do and what we say in the world. The harvest is you and me struggling to make a difference, working to remake the world into a place that is less painful, less cruel, less hateful, less violent, more loving, more grace-filled, more compassionate, more inclusive. So here we are in Matthew's Gospel. Once again, we're uh, in another landowner story. It feels like in this stretch of this uh, Gospel that we're on a different farm or a vineyard uh, each week. Uh, the story this morning is jolting, to say the least. A landowner leases his vineyard out to some tenants who are charged with caring for it, collecting the harvest, passing along the proceeds to the owner. But when harvest time rolls around, this landowner sends some other servants to collect his fair share of the harvest. And rather than paying what they owe, the tenants on the vineyard murder two of this delegation that has been sent from the owner. The landowner decides uh, he better take this situation seriously. So he, he decides to send his own son. And I always get stuck, frankly, at this part of the story because it, to me, sounds like a terrible idea. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, these people have proven what they're capable of. And uh, at any rate, the tenants, uh, this landowner um, decides, wouldn't possibly... Uh, harm somebody from his own family uh, the way they did his servants. Well, of course, this turns out to be wrong. They murder the son as well. And at this point in the narrative, Jesus asks his listeners, what do you think the landowner is going to do to those, those tenants after having uh, done all of this treachery on his vineyard? And they answer in a rage. He's going to give them what they have coming. That's what he'll do. And they have a kind of righteous indignation in their answer. Well, as is most of the time the case with the parables of Jesus, there are more than one way to approach them. There are more than one way to hear them. Uh, and that's true with this one as well. And, and the, the, the way we generally approach it is a pure allegory. Uh, the landowner stands for God. And this is possibly the way um, the first hearers would have heard it. The vineyard stands for Jerusalem or, or maybe all of Israel. And the wicked tenants are the powers that be of, of the day, those who controlled things, you know, from centurions to Sadducees, from temple priests uh, to Pharisees. These are the people uh, that Matthew names. 
Earlier in this chapter in Matthew, we're told that it was in fact these very powers that be that Jesus is speaking to when he's telling these parables, these edgy parables, the very people who can bring real harm and retribution and who will eventually see to it that Jesus is crucified. So these are brave tales to be telling to this particular audience. So, anyway, back to the allegory. The slaves which, which the landowner sends the first two times probably stand for the prophets, right? Uh, maybe the Old Testament prophets or maybe even uh, John the Baptist come to prepare the way of the Lord. Um, John who had been executed some months earlier. And finally, there's the landowner's son, the last to be sent to the vineyard. This, of course, in the allegory, would represent Jesus. And this is a time-tested, solid, allegorical way to approach this story. And often it's the way that it's preached and the way it's considered in Bible study groups and so forth. But there is another way. There's another way to hear it. There's something else for us uh, that we might... Uh, get out of this story. The second way to hear the story is suggested when Jesus sums it up, the meaning of the parable. Twice Jesus says the bottom line really of this story is the produce at harvest time. Or as he puts it the second time, what matters is to produce fruits of the kingdom. Now, in the Lutheran faith tradition, when we stay focused on the unmerited, unwarranted, maybe even unexpected grace of God that does not mean that we are therefore unconcerned with our own response to that grace. Um, What evidence is there in our lives that we have in fact been changed by God's grace and mercy? What has this graciousness produced? Our Lutheran heritage is also built on the belief that theology matters. The intellectual content of our belief system is important. But what we think, what we understand intellectually, is not our only focus. It's not finally what matters most. An inspiring and functional place to gather for worship and learning is important. I think about all the hundreds of worship services that have happened in this holy space, from funerals to weddings, baptisms, Christmases and Easter's. But we know that buildings are not what matters most. Meaningful worship. A wonderful choir. The rhythms, the ancient rhythms of what we do when we gather in this space. The gathering and the prayers and the singing and the proclamation and the sacraments and the sending. It's all essential. But even... Our Sunday morning worship is not what matters most. What do all of these things produce? The fruit of the kingdom is, in fact, 
you and me and who we are and what we do and what we say in the world. The harvest is you and me struggling to make a difference, working to remake the world into a place that is less painful, less cruel, less hateful, less violent, more loving, more grace-filled, more compassionate, more inclusive. The church responds with compassion and prayer as grief upon grief piles up in our world as we awake to war in the Middle East and terrorism and conflict, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, gun violence, loneliness. We gathered here on Friday morning for the memorial services for Larry and Sharon Hare. After 60 years of a real love story, a faithful marriage to one another, they died just days apart. Larry had told me that on their wedding day, on a cold morning in Iowa, uh, he had to feed the cows that morning after already being dressed for the service. And when he looked down during the service, he saw evidence of that on his shiny shoes. And then 60 years went by. And just on Friday, Pastor Natalia reminded the grieving family of the promises we gather around in this place every week. You and I, alone and together, the church can and do make a difference in this world. I've seen it with my own eyes. I see it all the time. If I didn't believe that this faith of ours could make a difference, I'd have moved on to something else a long time ago. I don't know what, something. If all this Sunday church stuff makes no creative and positive difference in this nitty-gritty, go-to-work-take-care-of-the-kids-earn-a-living world that we live in, then what's it all for? But the community of faith in Christ does make a difference. It does bear fruit. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Larry and Sharon and the family were so comforted and thankful when they knew our congregation was praying for them, when one of our members visited them after they had both gone on to hospice and brought them communion. The Sunday before they died, Larry and Sharon were able to watch the worship service from our live stream online, and Larry told me that Sharon felt like the message that day was just meant exactly for her. And not a week later, both of them passed from this life to the next. It matters who we are, what we do here. So St. Paul writes in our reading from Philippians, the words I'll close with. More than that, 
Paul writes, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. It matters what we do. I loved John sharing this morning about the value of socializing among the community of faith and the beautiful anthem that followed. And I am reminded also that one of the first things Ron Weldy said to me was, uh, Try to keep it short. <laughs> uh, it matters what we do. It matters who we are. We are the church. And this is a blessing on this day. Amen? Amen. So we all bothered to, uh, to get up and get dressed and make our way over here and enter into this, this ancient practice of gathering for worship that followed the ancient rhythms of the liturgy with the gathering and the prayers and the singing and the proclamation. And we were reminded in all of this that we are chosen, beloved, forgiven children of God. And so we are sent back out into the world uh, to bear the kind of fruit that forgiven, cherished, beloved children of God bear. And this world needs you to be who you are out there. So do we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.